Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One and all, and welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddo, and wherever you are in the world, it's great to have you with us. And if you happen to be in the UK, well, I hope you're staying warm and indeed dry at the moment. Joining me in the studio this week are two fabulous authors who'll be going head to head in a war of the words. A little later on, my first guest is a Sunday Times best-selling author whose novels have been translated into more than 30 languages. Her debut, The Flat Share, sold over a million copies, and her second novel, The Switch, has been auctioned for a film by now some little-known director, Steven Spielberg's company, I think, here to tell us about her fourth novel, The No-Show. It's Beth O'Leary. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to see you again after so long. I know. Um, And my second guest is... Another Sunday Times bestselling author, as well as being a podcaster and internet oversharer, her words. Um, she worked as a children's book editor before writing her first novel, I Heart New York, and moving to Brooklyn, as you do. Her other novels include On a Night Like This and One in a Million, as well as the brilliant children's book series Cinders and Sparks, and here to tell us about her latest seasonal novel, The Christmas Wish. It's Lindsay Kelk. Hello, hello to you. Hello, Thank you very much for having Welcome, me. Welcome, both of you. It's so lovely to be here in person. Uh, you know each you know each other, don't you? You've done an event together. We yes, have. We yes. hung out in Guildford last week. Was it last? Yes. Week? I mean, don't know why I'm asking Lindsay what <laughs> day it was. Lindsay doesn't the, know. The poor woman's been everywhere <laughs> in the last. Lindsay is delirious. <laughs> will be referring to herself exclusively in the third person. And Always a good doesn't know where she is. <laughs> but yes, we were in Guildford. Absolutely, certainly, that definitely happened. I remember there being a train. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, and you you spoke and audience clapped. At so I think, yes, yes. So sounds good. So there's, <laughs> uh, formal introductions have been done. Um, and on top of just uh, being mad busy, Lindsay, being over here and, and touring this book, you obviously you've come over from Los Angeles, is that right? Yes, yes. I live in LA now. So a bit of jet lag potentially as well, just I, in the mix? I was claiming jet lag for some time. I think at this point I'm just tired. I don't think <laughs> I can claim jet lag anymore. I think now it's been two weeks. I think this is officially just a bit tired. You've moved past yeah. what could be counted Went as claiming through. jet lag. Yeah. <laughs> straight through. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to have you both here. And for the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to talk about your brilliant books. We're going to talk about your writing, get some uh, book recommendations from you as well and also we'll do the book off of course where each of you gets three minutes uninterrupted if you so wish to use them to pitch as a book that you love and think we should all read we'll get to that though firstly here's the thing about publishing a christmas book Lindsay. yes you have to talk about it 
in November and possibly even in October and yes. maybe even in September. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you have to write it all the months of the year, <laughs> which is foolish. Are you sick of Christmas? <laughs> no, I, I love Christmas, thankfully. <laughs> like, gratefully, I, um, I love Christmas. So it's, it's all right by me. I've spent a lot of the last six weeks screaming, no, it isn't too early, at people um, who don't really understand how publishing works. <laughs> like, I've got to talk about it. It's coming out. We pointed out, uh, me and my wife were in the car recently, and we pointed out three Christmas trees, I think, down one road that we Sweet. saw already. Um, Excellent. There you go. And that's mid-November. That's mid-November. bit early for me. Uh, but, you know, each to their own. Um, so, yes, this book uh, is a seasonal book, and it's... Uh, the central character is Gwen Baker. Why don't you just tell us about her and, and set up her story for us? So I'm notoriously terrible at pitching my own books, but I will attempt to do this after talking about it nonstop for two weeks. And I'm going, I what? thought you when? would have had loads Who? of practice now. I this. should have. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, basically, <laughs> what we do is bribe other authors to come on tour and do it with me, like that. Uh, so, no, so Gwen, uh, we meet Gwen at the beginning of the book, and uh, she is a high-flying British um, London lawyer, uh, leaning right into those hallmark tropes, you know, high-flying London lawyer, coming home for Christmas to a little snowy country village with her family. She is recently single, uh, broken up from what she thought was a perfect relationship. Um, she's having some trouble at work, not to give any spoilers about mm. the job situation. And she usually loves Christmas, but this year she is just not in the mood for it. She doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to deal with the family. She doesn't want to deal with everything that's happened to her over the course of the year. And to make a you know, relatively long story, because... You're paying for it, sort of book. Uh, shorts. <laughs> she has the worst Christmas she could possibly have. Everything she thought could go wrong does go wrong. At the end of the day, she, she goes to bed and she's like, well, at least that's done. At least tomorrow I wake up and today is done. But surprise, surprise, she wakes up and it's Christmas Day again. <laughs> and Gwen is trapped in a time loop. She finds herself trapped in Christmas Day, reliving the same Christmas Day over and over. Uh, she comes to realise someone in her family has made a wish and that she has to try and grant that wish without knowing who it was and what, it, what the wish was. Uh, and the only bright spark in the day for her as she goes on is her childhood crush the boy next door dev is also home for christmas for the holidays and she gets to spend time with him but there are two problems there as well one is he's engaged to someone else and two is he doesn't know that they're seeing each other and over and over he sees her anew every day so she finds herself in this very difficult predicament and i swear to god it's funny <laughs> because the pitch is just like, well, that sounds terrible. No, I can confirm it is funny. <laughs> also, I thought, I thought it was a pretty good pitch, Beth. I yeah, thank you. This is the last thing I'm doing on this tour, so it should be. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pitch perfect. <laughs> so well done, Lindsay. You, Love it. You've nailed it. Thank you. Um, and it is very funny. I can attest to thank that. Thank you. As Beth. Um, and the no-show, Beth, uh, obviously came out a bit earlier this year. I think it was spring, wasn't it, that came yeah. out? Uh, paperback in uh, February. Correct. Uh, also makes a very good Christmas present anyway. No matter what time of year it's out. Um, introduce us to Siobhan, Miranda, Jane and Joseph and set up this story for those that haven't got to the book yet. Yes, so um, the no-show is about Jane, Siobhan and Miranda um, who are all stood up on the very worst day to be stood up, Valentine's Day. Um, and as we sort of follow their lives, um, so Jane's kind of very softly spoken, bookish um, volunteer at a charity shop. Um, Miranda's a kind of uh, very outdoorsy um, 
kind of loyal, guileless uh, tree surgeon. Um, and Siobhan is a very outspoken life coach. Um, and uh, they each let um, this man back into their lives because it transpires they've all been stood up by the same man. Um, and he has some sort of secret, uh, which we need to kind of unravel as uh, as the novel goes on. So it's kind of part rom-com, part mystery, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Which and was fun. It, yeah. And it's funny. <laughs> yes, so thank this you. Is, no, but this seconded. is a, seconded. seconded. <laughs> um, but both of you, the, the humour comes um, from your, you know, the character situations in some ways. Um, and it's always... As we read the books, both of your books, we're sort of like, we're really with them, we're feeling for them, but then we're also sort of laughing a bit as well at the ridiculousness of some of it. Um, question for both of you. Do you, do you act, start with you, Beth, do you, do you go in trying to find the humour or do you sort of write what you want to be the plot and then, and then have to sort of, I guess, make it funny? I find humour, if it doesn't come in the first draft, it's so hard. Like, for me, it has to that that part should feel very easy and if I I mean my least favourite edit that I leave for myself in the margin is make this bit funnier right <laughs> because it's so hard like just be funny go on be funny um mm. whereas you know when it comes when it flows and for me it's it's so often about getting inside the character's head and when you know the characters really well like my characters are funny so it's easy I, I don't have to be funny they're doing it for me you know that's yeah. that's how it feels to me yeah um similarly <laughs> worryingly this is going to be I worry a theme for today is Beth and I might have the same brain we found this out uh, last week but yeah same thing I, I love writing the comedy in and it is exactly the same thing whereas I will leave a note for my editor saying I will make this funnier and that is the most ridiculous thing to say because it's the most subjective thing mm. being funny is what one person finds funny one person doesn't so saying I don't think this is funny enough also that's the thing I think I hold myself to the highest standard of is mm. trying to get a laugh I've spent my whole life yeah. trying to get a laugh um, so if I don't think a joke is funny enough I do have to go back and do it again but it will drive me mad until it is right until it's and, landing basically. Yeah. yeah and then when you're you know when you've read the book like a hundred times yeah. obviously yeah, it's not funny anymore funny. nothing's funny <laughs> and I often actually delete my like the more jokey parts on, a, yes. on an edit and sometimes my editors will say like can we put this bit back in yeah. like I just thought it wasn't funny anymore Same. like you need to give me a ha-ha in the margin otherwise, yeah. I, otherwise <laughs> it's going absolutely yeah and the more stressed I am the more jokes I'll throw at it so yes. then when I come back I think what was wrong with you like what was actually wrong with you here take some of these out but exactly the same thing they're like oh there were some jokes we noticed uh, had gone out I'm like what well we'll just pop those back, back in then, in then. <laughs> yeah okay it's an amazing new um autobiography memoir by uh, Matthew Perry that's just recently been published mm -hmm. and um uh, amongst the many things he talks about in it one of the things is how he on the set of friends just always had to have the laugh and if a la mm. if a line didn't land um or an audience didn't laugh as much as he sort of thought that would ruin the rest of his day you know, wow. that would be like, uh, you know, and he'd just think, oh, I'm not funny. I haven't got it. I haven't, you know. But actually, it's it, it comes back to that point of a line in, in a book, for example, or on a TV show can make some people laugh and not others. And then a line you, you might put in and throw away in there yeah. could have readers howling. And you you just don't you just don't know, do you? That's the thing. Yeah, it's one of the weirdest things I think about, about writing. And especially on this book in particular, because the reviews are starting to come in now and 
like you reader reviews, which are the most terrifying <laughs> ones because I love tagging you in them and then you get to see them all and you feel amazing about yourself or not. Um, but they're so different. They're like poles apart. Some people are reading it and they're saying, oh, I love the family dynamics. And I thought it was this really beautiful story about family and finding yourself and working out who you are through who your family is. And then the completely other end, they're like, oh, like totally cheesy Christmas movie in a book. This is hilarious. And I'm like, how is it both things? But apparently it's <laughs> but both apparently things. It yeah. And I think you write what you think it is and then it stops being yours. And then mm. it, they're both right. Both of those reviews are right. Mm. And I can't tell them which one it is, which is wild. <laughs> well, also, I think that's a good thing. I guess so. I think yeah. so. I mean, as long as no one's saying hated it one star, then I think we're all right. <laughs> yeah. As long as they have an opinion, I'm happy. And what were what were the initial reactions like when you said, oh, I'm, I'm doing a Christmas Groundhog Day? I was far too confident <laughs> about it. Honestly, I thought, ha this will be fun and easy. I love Christmas and Groundhog Day. You don't have to come up with anything. You just keep doing it. <laughs> also, I was under the influence of quite heavy painkillers because I'd had a sinus surgery, <laughs> which right. I've told this story. So it's, yeah, shame, shame. No one stopped me, which was the bad thing. I'd had a sinus <laughs> surgery. I was on painkillers going to the hospital for a checkup. And um, I wish it could be Christmas every day. Came on, we were listening to Christmas music. Um, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Let's steal that. Um, and I emailed my editor and I was like, this might be the Vicodin talking but And she was like, no, let's do it. And she set herself up for just a world of pain because <laughs> it was the hardest book I've ever written and the hardest edit and Beth was the first person to say to me this must have been really hard like, it was so hard it it's was so hard but how very you, kind that's so interesting that you picked up on that Beth because I you know I, I wouldn't have said that but then that just shows that you've made it Thank seemingly you. so Brit but like it's funny that you've gone Oh no, I know what she's gone through. I think it's just that if some if I came up with that, I, I would have if I'd come up with that idea, I would have gone through the exact same thing. I would have gone, <laughs> This is brilliant. I'm a genius. <laughs> this is gonna be amazing. And then you actually have to then do it. And the, yeah. actual, yeah. the actual doing it, you know, novels are long. <laughs> Life <laughs> in general, you come up with an idea and then you have to do it. And then, yeah, I mean, that's um, one of my biggest problems is <laughs> getting about my day. But I mean, the, you know, it's it's a really hard concept to pull yeah. off. It's because I just hadn't thought about it. I was like, oh, it'll be so fun. And I love, obviously, Groundhog Day and I love Palm Springs. and I love Russian Doll and all those. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so fun. But then I realised that they are all visual gags. Yes. And Groundhog Day is a visual gag. You yeah. see the same thing and you see them just become increasingly unhinged and, yeah. and just start to unravel. And that's so hard to do in a book because it's not visual, it's writing. Um, and you can't, you've got to keep the storyline moving forward, but you are trapped in the same location. Like there's massive constraints by saying it's Christmas Day up north weather's bad, how far can she go? Where can she go? You're trapped with the same characters. You can have character development to an extent, but they have to wake up the same day and go back to the beginning. It was it was so stupid. Was so, I was so stupid. Um, but I was very proud at the end. But I was really pleased when Beth said that because I did the same thing when I read her book. I think I emailed you and I was just like, you're very clever and I hate you. Um, because you do, you know, without spoilers, there's, there's this timey-wimey uh, stuff in your book too that was just so massively done and so cleverly unraveled and... and you, you drop breadcrumbs and when you know, you know. Uh, but it was so beautiful to just be carried away by the story. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's, 
I think it's it's really it's really hard to mess with time. That's what I'm going to say. That's what we've all learned. Isn't science. It? Yeah. It's yeah, really hard learned. to mess with time, whether you're writing it or living it. Basically. Yeah. And did you find Beth this one? You know, book four. Oh, easy now. I've got this. Or was this was this not as easy, perhaps, as one would think? No, this was not. I kind of I would say for me hardest book to write was my second book The Switch and I, I think that's such a common writer's story isn't it of the tricky second album yeah. um, and then my third book The Road Trip was just it was like it, it it was a beautiful writing experience it was one of those I was like heady with it I couldn't think about anything else I'd like the characters I'd hear a song and it would just be about my book and yeah. it was you know everything and it was beautiful and I, I think I just had that release from having done the second one mm. um, and then I set myself a real challenge with the fourth <laughs> book and I think got, maybe got cocky yeah. <laughs> maybe got cocky um, I was like I can do this it's fun now um, and um, I this did really stretch me this book and I'm incredibly proud of it it's definitely my most ambitious novel um, mm. But I had to plan a bit, well, a lot, um, just because the the you know the way the the three stories play out, I, I can't, I couldn't kind of hold it all in my head. Are you um, usually a pantster? I am. Mm. I'm kind of, or a, a little bit of. I tend to do a couple of plans as I go along, which is sort of just dump a load of stuff that's in my head on a page and then don't really look at it again. Mm. But the process of sort of sketching it out briefly yeah. Yeah. helps me. Um, but with this one, I had a I had a spreadsheet with the little coloured boxes and everything. <laughs> and I, I couldn't quite, I wasn't sure about it as an approach, but actually it, I needed to do it. And um, what I think I worried about is that it would squash the characters. Yeah. I'm a very character-led writer. Yeah. I, I tend to sort of, you know, if like for instance, if a moment doesn't, isn't feeling like what the character would do, I would always change the plot rather than make the character... Do you see what I mean? Fit the character exactly. into the situation. Yeah. And yeah. so I was sort of worried about, about how that would work. But um, it it did. I kind of... They they sort of grew within that structure. And, and writing this book, I basically had a... Uh, about 70,000 words. I had a total bolt from the blue idea um, that made sense of the whole book uh, and had to go back to the beginning and, and rework it. So it kind of had two giant spreadsheets anyway. So <laughs> once you've realised that, you know, you can make a plan and completely redo it anyway, that it does feel less restrictive. <laughs> that is a positive spin on deleting about 70,000 words. I love it. You've, got, uh, you've actually come to terms with it. Like yeah. You've been able to sort it's of easy turn to that I, if, yeah. if you'd asked me a year ago, it might not have been so... Uh... You've gone through all the sages now. Totally. You're, you're an acceptance. I'm acceptance. We're an acceptance. I remember talking to um, Elizabeth McNeil, who said when she was writing her second mm. novel... Uh, yeah, it was the second novel, I think. Um, so after the doll factory, um, her cat somehow deleted her whole manuscript. No, no. Yeah. Um, so she and again, it wasn't finished, but probably yeah, probably eighty thousand, maybe seventy, eighty thousand, and it had got it had gone. And she was like, I don't know how the cat did it, but it turned out that it was the best thing that could have happened. So she says now whether she just was reframing this or not, but basically, uh, she said it wasn't working what she was writing and actually it that clean break made her reassess and kind of go well actually if i d yeah. i don't have to write that one anymore because mm -hmm. it's, it's gone. gone yeah wow and she ended up going in a bit of a different direction and it all worked out for the better so yeah but reframing that gave me chills I know. when you said that I know. it's the I know. stuff of nightmares i immediately thought about my cats I'm like how much do i love them like, how attached am i to my cats oh my god yeah Brutal. haven't ever had a not necessarily with a cat but you haven't ever had one of those experiences then Lindsay, i did i got quite far down the path with a book once <laughs> once. once once upon a time uh and it yeah it just wasn't working i just it just wasn't and it was really hard to say 
I'm not going to do this. Because yeah. it's mm. it's weird. Being a writer is weird because your publisher is your boss, but your collaborator. And it's just a very mm. strange feeling to go in and be like, hello, I know I said I was going to do this and now I'm not. <laughs> and it was just a very difficult thing for me personally to say. Mm. Also, to admit defeat was really well, hard. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But for any writer, surely, also when you've got so far in. Yes, something. yeah. Mm. But it ended commit- up being the best thing again. Yeah. It was it, I, it was wrong. It wasn't going to work. Yeah. I would have spent so much time trying to beat it into shape. And then yeah. what I did next, I loved. So, yeah, mm. it's. It, but that was a very unpleasant learning experience, which yeah. I do not care to repeat. No, yeah. <laughs> let's and we'll no. forget about it now. Cats are locked out the office from today <laughs> from on. That one. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> um, so has um, Spielberg been on the phone, Beth? It's been an exciting time. I mean, I, I you know the the Flatshare TV shows out on the first of December. Oh, the first of December <laughs> as well, to, is it? Just to you know, talk about screen. Oh things. my god! I Didn't know even it's a matter that one. of weeks away. <laughs> I know I'm having a very whirlwindy time. Actually, um, it is very. Exciting. How involved in the Flatshare TV show were you? I not really. Right. So it was a real. Um, I mean, it's so strange. You kind of hand over your thing that you know you put so much of yourself into, mm. and and actually, I I wanted to do it that way because I know I think I would have been very all or nothing with this one because it was. I think if I'd got involved, I would have been so meddlesome. <laughs> I would have been like, <laughs> "When is is this bit in there? And are you going to do?" And, <laughs> um, and actually. I really wanted um, Rose Lewinstein, you know, I wanted, she she wrote the adaptation. I wanted her to have like the freedom of, you know, the full creative freedom mm-hmm. on it. Um, and thankfully she's done a brilliant job. <laughs> but well, these was, people know I, what they're doing, they don't they? Do, we forget. totally. And, you know, but I didn't, I didn't really realise how nervous I was about it until yeah. I got sent the first episode. And I thought... About about ten minutes into it, I just felt my body just relax. I was oh, like, good "Thank feeling. God, <laughs> I actually like it." <laughs> and it's it's first of December on Paramount Plus, right? Fantastic. Yes, I know. Yeah, exciting, exciting times. So exciting, um, isn't it? But yeah. Oh, and Spielberg can wait then. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but it is a very surreal feeling to see to see kind of yeah. The, the, you can't really get your head around it. I think this basically a lot with everything that's happened with my books is I. Like I can't quite sort of connect the story that I, you know, particularly with the flat share, with this little story that I wrote on the train in the hope that somebody might read it with all the stuff that's happened. And, you know, you saying at the beginning, like over a million copies, like that's obviously not a thing you can hold in your head. So but you get little glimmers, little moments where you do. And there was a real moment when I was we when we had a press screening for the flat show when I saw like adapted from the novel Mm. come up on the screen and it really got through. And I thought... (laughs) This has happened. <laughs> yeah, amazing. What a feeling. What Crazy. any adaptations in the pipeline for you, Lindsay? Um who always feel like you don't know what you're supposed to oh, say, yes, what you can and uh, can't can you talk say? about. What can't you um say? but yes, um there's some stuff in the works, uh in development, a couple of things, she says, making noises. Um <laughs> but unlike Beth, who is a sensible person, I am an actual monster who is supposed to be adapting it. And now I'm like, I've made a terrible mistake. Um but yeah, I'm working that the on the first a... one that you would be doing. Yes, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> she just keeps saying, yeah. That's not a terrible mistake. It's not, but I am an absolute control freak. So uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Do you think you'd be able to like change things? I think that's, if I'd been doing it myself, I think I would have struggled with making yeah, changes. Yeah, I think so. At this point, I think yes, because mm. I have seen like, a lot of friends go through it. And before I was an author, uh, much like Beth, I worked in licensed children's publishing. Yes. So I worked on film and TV tie-ins. So I 
it's it's sort of going the opposite way. So I would sometimes take a script and write it and turn it into a novel. So I've done that a few times. And now I'm going the other way, taking a novel and turning it into a script. And I'm not precious about it. That's that's the other thing. Okay, that's probably um, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it, it is possible to be like, but this one moment was really important to me. But I do know that something that works on the page might not work on yeah. the screen. Mm. So I'm trying really hard to... If anything, I've been too ruthless, apparently. Uh, I've been a little bit too brutal. I'm like, nope, take that person out. Sod them. Get them out. That moment doesn't work anymore. Uh, they don't deserve yeah. any screen time. It's, yeah, screw that person. Uh, it's, it's a really weird experience. It's really strange because yeah. it's almost like you're adapting someone else's work. Um, wow. And it's a bigger yeah. team, isn't it? Because it, yes. know, authors are so used to working quite solitary and then you've got your agent, yes. you've got your editor and, and, a, and a bit of a wider team in the publisher. But like that's it. Then. Yeah. Whereas... When it, I know I've spoken to authors who have adapted work before and got, oh, I've got, I've got like 20 people on a Zoom, yeah. 50 people on Zoom, I've got to email it to all these people because they've all got to have a say. It's a bit like... Yeah, <laughs> it's very strange. I was listening to this very podcast uh, oh. when you had um, Alex that wrote The Maidens on and he said yes. something that I found incredibly helpful, which is that he said... Um, novels are about expansion and screenplays are about contraction. I was like, oh my God, that is the most useful thing I've taken because this is the podcast all the authors want to be on. And that's, what, so, that's what they say. That's what they say. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard And I found too. that incredibly useful and I've carried oh, that with good. me all the way through this. Oh, that's so lovely. That's yeah. so great to hear. I mean, genuinely, actually. I thought about messaging him and I'm like, no, that'd be weird. He doesn't, he doesn't know you. He doesn't care. But if he gets should. this back, like, if he gets this back, hey, then like, like, maybe no. Alex is a listener too and maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll reach out to you now after this. Um, before I ask you about what you've been reading and enjoying recently, which I always like to ask my guests and always put them on the spot and then I see panicked faces yeah. from across the table going, I'm pretty sure I did read something this year. <laughs> um, I want to ask, because we're sort of in, you know, tipping into the festive uh, period and we have this lovely book here, Lindsay. Yes. Um, what are your favourite things about Christmas? Oh, I love Christmas. I've always loved Christmas. Um, it, I'm always trying to work it out and with this book it was really weird to drill down into what I love about mm. Christmas and it then all made me reflect on what Christmas means to everybody she says doing another pitch for the book um, but a big part of it ended up being what Christmas means to everyone in the family and, and my version of Christmas is that I'm the baby of the family and a spoiled little monster who would just sit on the settee and eat chocolate and be ferried around and given presents and then be like is it time to eat again yet and that was <laughs> and one year literally made myself sick on chocolate oranges my brother and I had our annual chocolate orange eating contest which is just numbers of segments not actual people are like how many chocolate oranges did you eat I'm like I was six <laughs> segments now I reckon I could put away a couple but oh I, I yeah, think with I a cup definitely. of tea yes like at least oh, yes. one yes. whole one at least mm. um but I I just love the tradition of it and the and everything that I hold really dear but then when I looked at my mum would always be like oh Christmas and I would be really mad at her I'm like why don't you love it as much as I do and it's like because Christmas for mums is so hard yeah. like we ask so much of them they, and it starts months earlier. It starts with the cards and the present buying and making plans for everybody and making sure all the food is in and then there's the prep and then the day itself is just exhausting and hard work and no one's really helping. And even if they offer to help, mum might be a bit of a martyr and say no or you didn't really mean it anyway. Um, and it just, it really made me think about like all the terrible, all the terrible things I've done to my family. Um, so the book is kind of an apology, but yeah, I just Christmas to me is just about having that really special time. And now my husband and I just we just stay home and mm -hmm. we just uh, just the two of us. He works crazy hours. I work 
God knows what I do. Uh, <laughs> but it's like the one day that we're like, no, we're closing the door. We put records on in the morning. Nice. We open our presents. Uh, he calls his family. I text mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Why? I'm like, let's not speak. Um, and we're all happier. And then we eat and then we drink and then we watch a film and then we and then we drink. Uh, and then we do it again on Boxing Day. Oh, it sounds bloody lovely. It's really lovely. It's really nice. I get every year I get that uh, I, I get older, believe it or not. <laughs> every year I think, oh, I'll be, I'll have more responsibility this Christmas. I'll do more, won't I? Pro- not, not saying yeah. it to myself like I will do more. Ooh. I just sort of think I'll, ne- it will naturally happen. Never does. Still, no. still just sitting on the sofa eating. Yeah, you know, I just think we just... all revert back to who we, we were, do. unless we are forced to do otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely yeah. think that is that is true. Mm. Are you a, a big Christmas fan? Ben? I love Christmas. Yes. And listening to you talk, I was like, yeah, it's that sense that at Christmas things are special, even if they're yeah. things like sitting on the sofa. And what is that about? But yeah. I one Christmas, so my brother got in this habit of just calling everything the Christmas something. So he'd be like, <laughs> "Can you pass the Christmas milk? Can you pass the?" And it, there is an element of that, though, isn't there? It's like, oh yeah. yes, but this is Christmas chocolate. Well, yeah. To do the Christmas shop. I mean, I had to right. explain to my American husband why there were things in the cupboard that he could not touch for a month because that's for Christmas, and why he will eat things that he does not enjoy because it is Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and he really has had English Christmas forced upon him to the point now where he's like, "Are you going to bring back the dry roast peanuts that I like?" And I was like, "Yes, but they're for Christmas." And he's like, "Of course they are. Of course they are." So uh, he I, knows. he's fully indoctrinated. I would bring him back now. He's 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 trained up. He could okay, do a good. he could do a proper Christmas. <laughs> I, I broke into the cheese straws a little bit early one year and it was carnage. Yeah, yeah. absolute filth. Absolute carnage. He, I put the quality street out about a week before Christmas once, uh, thinking it would just sit in a lovely dish on the table and he ate them all. And can you imagine? Do you know how hard it is to get a tub of Quality Street in America? I do, actually. Yeah. I genuinely it's do. It's really hard yeah. and it's very expensive. Yeah. And he will literally never live that down. <laughs> we will be in the old people's home and I'll be like, you don't touch them. <laughs> get your hands off my Quality yeah. Street. But now I learn my lesson. They're, they've got to stay in the cupboard, haven't they? Yeah. They've got to yeah. stay in the cupboard. Too precious. Yeah. Also, if you can get a, if you can get a Christmas box, and I don't mean like something fancy, just like a smallish cardboard box yep. that sits in the cupboard. The Christmas box. Because The Christmas box. <laughs> Because you can't then see the treats. If yes. you, you just see a boring old box. Yes. Ours go in a very high cupboard above the sink that's a pain to get to. So Perfect. it all goes up there. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, this is, I mean, I, I love the fact that all these things are ringing true for all of us. It must be, I don't know. It's like... I feel better about myself. I know that. I know that. Well, as I said, I always like to ask my guests what they've been reading and enjoying recently. So it's a, just a little opportunity before we get to the book off to, um, I don't know, champion some new authors or some old authors or just a book that maybe hasn't been in the spotlight. Have you, I mean, you've been sort of darting around the country, Lindsay. Have you found any time to read at all? What's or going on? Maybe on the plane? Um, I did read a little bit on the plane. I was reading a book because I'm doing an event in L.A., um, when I get back for The Christmas Wish uh, with an author called Alicia Rye, who is a romance author who writes really fun mm. romance. And she's written a book called Partners in Crime that I think is out here now. Uh, and it's a really fun romance with... I mean, America loves a trope. America loves reducing things to a trope, which is very <laughs> helpful in a way. Um, but it is a, a second chance romance of these two, this couple that were uh, together years ago and broke up for various reasons. And they end up like going on the run to Vegas. And she's a lawyer or he's a lawyer or they're both lawyers but it's, it's it's very very fun and i i was whizzing through that um i have to i do have to keep a list of everything i've read or i, I can't That's remember idea. why don't i do that yeah i have to do it it's so bad and i think so often as authors we're reading stuff that's coming out in the yes. future mm. 
So I'm always like, oh my God, you have to read this book. And they're like, it's not out till next year. You're massive. I know. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard. Um, but I've read a lot of stuff that I love this year. I loved uh, a book called The Change. I think it's Kirsten Miller or Kristen Miller. I can't remember. Obsessed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading a lot of books about angry middle-aged women uh, just <laughs> killing people or like going Great. off the skip. Off. Yeah, I love it. I read uh, Vladimir by I think Julia May Jones. So fantastic. So many good books this year. I was lucky enough to read The No Show last year. You were telling everyone about it and they were like, it's not out till April yeah. 22. Oh, it does not make you any friends to say you've already read it. People hate you. They hate you for it. My dad keeps a little book journal. So he writes down what he's the, the t- obviously the title of the author, and then he just but not like essays, but just a little bit of like, that's really this smart. is what I thought of it. Or sort of, yeah, just a, there you go. Mm. Yeah, you think we would do something? No, like that, and, but and we you don't. think I'd do it because he's told me about <laughs> it, and I've seen it, and he says it's a really good thing to do, and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've bought the journal yes. to write it in seven times. Yeah, of course. But I haven't oh, I'm bloody done it. And um, what about you, Beth? What have you been reading and um, enjoying? Just thinking as you were talking, I think the book. That I've enjoyed the most in the last sort of few months is um, it's by an author called Amy Lee who wrote Set on You, which was uh, kind of blew up. I think I haven't actually read that one, so this was my first of hers. It's called X's and O's. It's her, her second, mm. and I loved it. It's so the heroine Tara Chen is like she's just a totally unashamed, hopeless romantic, and that's one of the things that I loved most about it is she's the girl that kind of gets called crazy, you know, because she just expects a lot from love and she loves love stories and she wants big romance um, mm. and that's sort of what she's going after so she goes back through her the the 10 kind of guys that she's dated um thinking like can she create her own second chance romance um and like find find love by going backwards mm-hmm. um uh, but she has a very sexy flatmate so um he I hate when that happens. I'm such a pain that's <laughs> so often the case in a romance novel um yes and, so rarely in real life <laughs> yeah. um and uh, and they just have the loveliest kind of it's it's very slow burn mm. it's kind of um you know they really become friends and get to know each other and and um and you know no spoilers, but it is joyous. It would be a really fun one for kind of, you know, just like a cozying in book. Mm, perfect for this time of year, then. Exactly. Ideal. Thank you both for those recommendations. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And now it's time for another, because it's time for The Book Off, where each of you gets three minutes uninterrupted to tell us about a book that you love and you think that we should all read right away. Before we get to the books you've chosen and indeed the pictures, a little bit of admin. Uh, the person who's travelled the furthest always gets to decide if they go first or second. I, that is definitely you. I mean, there's actually no question. <laughs> so would you like to go first or would you like to see what Beth's made of? Um, I, I will go second uh, purely because I've established I can't even pitch my own book. So <laughs> I want to hear what Beth has to say and then I'm going to copy her shamelessly. Very good. And go from there. You also get an extra three minutes for sort of prep in Fabulous. your mind as well. Fabulous. That's very clever. Well done. <laughs> Which means, uh, Beth, you get to decide whether at the three minute mark you're honked Ooh. out uh, by the bicycle bell or sorry by the bicycle horn or rung out by the school bell i like the school bell do you yeah, yeah well that's yours Golden then okay school bell. so if you um are still talking at three minutes yes. you'll get the school bell but if you bring it in under the wire that's also fine as well uh, and Lindsay, you'll you'll get a bit of the old bicycle <laughs> very horn, so. aggressive do we get like a 30 second <laughs> warning or am i well that's a very good very good and reasonable question um <laughs> the answer is going to be no <laughs> I can give you a 30 second warning. Go on. Would you like that? Yes, please. Okay, I'm can, sure I'll really rate me and then I'll be. It, for, right, so for the 30 second warning, I'm going to do this. Oh, very nice. All right. We've got yeah. a new sound. <laughs> this is good, isn't it? I think I think someone's only only ever asked for a 30 second warning once before on this podcast. We're in series 10. I'd wow. like to know so where you, I stand. So, very good. Very good. All right, well, I'm putting three minutes on the clock then, uh, Beth. And before. We start the timer. Why don't you tell us which book you're putting forward? So it's Again, Rachel by Marion Keyes. The fabulous, wonderful Marion Keyes, who was on this very podcast, sat in that very seat. <gasps> I feel so recently. special. <laughs> <laughs> OK, three minutes on the clock then for you to tell us about Again, Rachel. Over to you. So Again, Rachel is a sequel, actually, to Rachel's Holiday, which was um, published 25 years ago and is one of my favourite books. And it says how amazing this sequel is that I think it might be the first time I've ever loved a sequel more than the original book. Um, so um, Again, Rachel is about uh, a woman called Rachel who's an addiction counsellor at the Cloisters, a rehab clinic where in Rachel's Holiday she was previously a patient. Um, and you can definitely read this as a standalone as well. Um, and when her ex-husband, Luke, returns to Ireland, her very settled, sorted life kind of starts to feel a little bit wobblier. Um, I love this book sort of from in two different ways, I think. First, as a reader and then as a writer. So as a reader, like, I just love how Marion writes character. Um, the people in her books, they they feel by the end like friends and family that you you know um, and every secondary character is just as fleshed out as the main ones um, including in this novel the patients who whose stories are sort of woven through Rachel's story almost like little short stories within the novel or like ca character sort of pieces within the novel um, and to be able to get you to care about them you know, in it, when they have so little page time, I think it's just amazing. Um, and also I love how she writes humour about such serious things. You know, this is a kind of comic novel in some ways set in rehab, you know, what an amazing thing to have done. Um, 
and as a reader, as a writer rather, I I love like what skill and courage to come back to characters 25 years later, both in your life and theirs. Um, and the thing that I love most about it is actually a spoiler, but I will talk around it and just say that there is a um, a sort of trick that Marion plays on you in in Rachel's Holiday, um, and she kind of almost plays it again in in the second book and. I fell for it again. Um, and I love the confidence to just come out and say, I'm going to do this again. Um, and I'm going to do something really similar, actually. And once again, you're not going to, you're not going to guess and you're not going to see it coming. Um, I just thought, wow, I have so much admiration for that. Um, and I really think that in like 200 years, people will read Marion Keys in the way that we, we read Jane Austen now. She, I think, is an absolute genius. Um, and yeah, I think she's an extraordinary writer and that this might be her best book. I didn't even need my little 30 didn't second even warning. Need it, no. There you go. I'm going to that anyway. You brought it in with, uh, with 30, what, 32 seconds to spare. I mean, you didn't need any warning. That was bad. <laughs> um, absolutely brilliant. Right, take a breather. Have a, oh, have a yeah, sip of your water, water now. Um, <laughs> I don't want to. You're done. But you, Lindsay, <laughs> uh, have to step up to the plate. So uh, just before we set the three minutes on your timer... What book yeah. are you putting forward? I am going to tell you about Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. Oh, fabulous. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, it's three minutes on the clock. Over to you. Let's do it. Um, so it's really hard for me, as Beth said, to switch off, I think, sometimes as a writer. And before I was a writer, I was an editor. So it's really, really difficult for me to just get lost in a book and not be um, picking, picking it apart, which sounds awful, but just not to be involved in it in a, in a structural sense. And I read Her Majesty's Royal Coven earlier this year and I was obsessed from the first page. And if you cut me open, I will bleed Buffy. I will. There's twilight in the marrow of my bones. I love fantasy, um, but I usually watch it on TV. I don't read that much fantasy, but this book just... It picked me up and I was done. I could not get enough of it. I've given it to so many friends. I've given it to so many different people who are also obsessed with it. I have the UK proof. I have the UK hardcover and I have the American version because I am obsessed. So just know that I love this book and anything I say from here is <laughs> a place of love. Um, but the book is about uh, four friends. Uh, we meet them at their induction ceremony. They're about to take their oath to Gaia. They are witches. They live in the UK and we discover that... Underneath our everyday life, there is a coven of witches, Her Majesty's Royal Coven, who was founded by Anne Boleyn, and they have been helping protect the UK from magical forces and magical threats forever and ever. And these covens are all over the world. Uh, there is one in America as well that corresponds with fantastic acronyms. Um, and we meet these four friends uh, several years after there has been a civil war, a magic civil war, and we find them at different places in their life. Helenor is the youngest uh, head of the coven. Um, we have Neve, who is living a quiet life as a vet, but she lost her fiancé and her sister during the uh, civil war. Uh, and then we have Leone, who has founded a, a new coven for witches who feel like they don't belong. Um, and there is Elle, who is uh, living a quiet life, pretending not to be a witch. Her husband doesn't know, her husband and kids. So all of these characters are in there. It is so wrapped up. I can't tell you because I don't have 18 years, but it is such clever storytelling. The characters are so fully realised and fleshed out and beautiful. Every single human being on earth is represented in this book and it is done in such an elegant, fantastic way. If you love the world building and... <laughs> you know, witchy, witchy wizardness of perhaps some other series uh, by someone else that is written more for children, um, but you yeah. love it as an adult or even as teenage Lindsay, like would have 
been obsessed with this. And I just cannot stress enough how wonderful it is. The story, the world building, how clever it is, what it says about our current society, but also while in this magical, fantastical realm. And I just love it. And there, it's the start of a series. So there's more to come. Imagine reading this and loving it this much and then finding out there's more to come. Please read it, everyone. Whoa! <laughs> Nine seconds to go. Woo! Nicely done. <laughs> Very nicely done, both of you. Uh, what a, ah, two brilliant pictures. What an amazing selection of books. Um, so, yes, a humble brag earlier, wasn't it? Marianne Key's been on this podcast. Loved it. No amazing. big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, and she was on to talk about, again, Rachel, because mm. uh, it was earlier this year. Um, I loved everything you said there, Beth, because to do to come back to that character, which was so loved. Amazing. Right? So brave. You yeah. think, oh, is this a publishing decision, you know, or something like mm. that? They thought, oh, come on, 25 years or whatever, let's, let's, let's go back. And actually, no, it was, it was all her mm. and done with such skill, as you yeah. say. Amazing. And... I absolutely loved this. In two hundred years, people will read Marinkis like we're reading Austen now. I mean, you yeah. don't think about that now, really. You don't think about people no. around now and and mm. so far in the future. But I think you might be right. You know? She's a future yeah. classic, no question. I just think so many of us. Oh, I mean, I I speak for myself, but I owe my career to Marion. I read Watermelon when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. My mum had it on holiday, and I was as a was that voracious Joe reader. <laughs> I was a voracious reader um, as a kid and I would just read anything I get my hands on. And yeah. my mum had watermelon and I read it and I read it in like a day. And I, I didn't know books could be like that. I was yeah. still coming out of YA slash Flowers in the Attic. Mm -hmm. Like messed up. Messed up kids. Yay, yeah. <laughs> millennials. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I loved it immediately and I was a Marion fan for life. And mm -hmm. I just think if Marion hadn't knocked that door down, you know, with Helen Fielding as well, with Bridget yeah, Jones. Yeah. I don't know if contemporary women's fiction would be where it is now. I don't know if we would be allowed to write yeah. the books that we write. And I think she's in your acknowledgements, Marion, isn't she? She is. She has been a, a massive champion of mine and as well as an inspiration. And I do not, there are not enough nice words mm. for Marion Keys, which mm. was why I felt rude even <laughs> suggesting any other book. <laughs> because the woman is a goddess and a queen and I owe her, owe her so much and just <laughs> genuinely also a top person. Yeah. Yeah. Which is madness. Yeah. And everyone everyone, everyone says loves it, right? her. Everyone knows that, yeah. you know, we, we all love her. Um, but this book in particular, I love that you've sort of singled this one out, Beth, and that, that it still kept you guessing. Yeah. You know, that she tricked you again um, 25 years later. And you're so right about the, uh, well, coming at it from a reader's point of view and a writer's point of view mm. separately, as, as we do because of our professions. It's like, you do feel like they're friends. I think that's the case for yeah. almost all of her books as well, totally. not just this one, but like you do actually sort of come away going, I know that, you know, I could speak to them. Like yeah. Yeah. And when you, when you close the book, you miss them. That feeling of like, oh, is it? so basically she needs to keep writing sequels because yeah. I miss them yeah. all. <laughs> At least call you up every couple of weeks yeah, and let you know let what they're doing. Exactly yeah, what they're is she just... all right though? Is she well? Is she keeping well? Has she had a tea? Yeah, she is she all right? Has <laughs> <laughs> she got a scarf on? It's cold out. Exactly. exactly. Um, and then, oh, I love Gina Dawson so much. Another and... absolute goddess uh, absolute walking goddess, this planet. Uh, who's... Just the span of the books that she's written as well and the Insane. subjects she's tackled I and everything. I don't think there's anything she can't do, which I actually take as a personal slight. <laughs> yeah, it's upsetting. But it's so true. And, you know, I don't, I haven't read this one. So is this oh. quite new? Is this a new it is, issue? It is new this year. Yeah. Um, and they just announced the date and the, everything for the sequel. Of the sequel. So, which is coming out next spring. So I think it was um, spring, summer. Yeah. And as you say, isn't it amazing to read a book and then love it and know more? 
is coming yes, in that best world. Feeling, oh, it's best just the best feeling, feeling ever. Oh, especially for the people I gave it to and said, yeah. you have to read this. Who then was like, I can't believe you gave me this with that ending. I'm like, the next one is coming. The next one is coming. <laughs> but I just think, I think it's so great that you, I've literally underlined obsessed here, oh, which is what you obsessed. said. Um, I love about, you gave it to so many people. Um, oh, clever story. She, she's such a clever storyteller anyway. And the fact that it feels like it, just has every you know it's so inclusive mm-hmm. as a cast of characters and everything yeah and you could read it as w- from whatever walk of life and you're absolutely you know, you're, and, you're it, and all the different ages too it's, i mean mm. it's something i didn't get in my pitch i shouldn't add it now but there's there's such an age range in the in, in the characters yeah. these women are sort of our age-ish like in their 30s yeah. 40s and then you have an older generation that are advising them and then you have their kids as well coming up uh, it's just so cleverly done. I don't know how she's so good at all the things. <laughs> it's so Stop upsetting. So I know. And she writes so fast and she's so talented. Oh, she's... Oh, uh. no. oh. <laughs> and she's got great hair. I am literally going to buy this book It's just like, now. have one like, thing. I'm going to leave here and buy this book. You've made <laughs> me want to read it must. so much. But, she, but I agree, but I think... She, uh, like, Lizzie, she, you're a great picture. Just, just you always say you're through. not. Oh, I just, I, I just feel very strongly about this one. I feel very strongly about about this one. I mean, I think they they both sound sound amazing. I have read the Marianne. I haven't read this Juno one. I think you've both pitched them ex- exceptionally well. Um, and I've, so I've got to take one home based on those brilliant pictures. Will Marianne ever forgive me? I, I think I'm going to take the Juno. <laughs> But Marion is such an amazing person. Marion would probably buy the Juno and yes, send it to she, you. She That's would. the thing here. It's, it, and it also feels unfair. Obviously, you've already had Marion here and talked about the book, so I feel like... I think that's a fair know, choice. Yeah. Also, but, and I, I think you're right. I don't think Marion would mind. I think she'd be very encouraging she, of, yes, a, of a different book. So gracious. Um, but we should say that anyone who hasn't read again Rachel or indeed yes. read Marion Keys. Yes. What are you doing? Get out there. <laughs> um and what would you say cuz you did say Beth it, you can read it as a standalone. Mm. But if someone is listening and goes oh yeah this Marianne Keys that everyone keeps talking about mm. not read a book would you go and read oh, Rachel's Holiday? I think I would you yeah. know. I'd and yeah. because you know, why not read them all so you might as well start with Rachel's Holiday. You're going if you read Rachel's Holiday you're going to read all of the yeah. Marion Keys yeah. back catalogue. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, and I am going to get myself Her Majesty's Royal Coven. Me too. Uh, uh, immediately. Oh. In fact, me and Beth will probably <laughs> be heading it. out to the. I'll wrap up here. <laughs> yeah. I'll clear up the cups. <laughs> you, you. you run down to We've the shop. We've got to pop down to the <laughs> yeah. local shop. Yeah. Because um, Junior Dawson is, is fab. And uh, that was a wonderful and impassioned pitch, Lindsay. So Thank uh, you. very much look forward to, to reading that. Um, so those are two great recommendations. And here are another two for you. The No Show by Beth O'Leary, which is out now, published by Quirkus, out in paperback, I believe, in February. And The Christmas Wish by Lindsay Kelk, also out now, published by HarperCollins. What an absolute pleasure to have you both here and to chat. I think feel like we could just carry on, really, get another hey, cup of tea and just natter away. But I have no plans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you both for your time and your recommendations. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thanks so much for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.